0: Radio.com.
1: It is Wednesday, the twelfth of July. Let's begin together in prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, answer those who seek you. For those who are in flight from any kind of danger, be their protection. For those who live in terror or in want, set them free. For those who seek to know your will and do it, show them the way. Almighty God, you are the help and protection of your people. Give us this day the daily bread of your word. Guide us in your ways. Bring us safely to evening that we may give you thanks and praise through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Good morning to you. It is the Sunrise Morning Show here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Matt Swaim, Anna Mitchell has news, Paul Lachman at the controls, and up this hour, Katie Warner is going to join us on this Feast of Saints Louis and Zelie Martin to talk about a children's book she's written about the parents of St. Therese of Lisieux. Father Rob Jack will discuss Old Testament stories that you should know. Speaking of Old Testament stories you should know, uh, Gary Zimak today is going to discuss the particular story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and what it can teach us about God's faithfulness during difficult times. And then Dr. Chad pecknold has been doing a series for the Institute of Catholic Culture on Catholic political thought. So be sure to tune in for that at the end of the hour. Right now, it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news.
2: Good morning, President Biden. will meet with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky this morning on the final day of the NATO summit in Lithuania. Zelensky arrived in the country on Tuesday after criticizing NATO leaders for failing to deliver a clear time frame for inviting Ukraine to join the alliance. President Biden has said more than once that he does not think the time is right for the nation, which is still fighting invading Russian forces to become a NATO member. Pope Francis has written a letter praising the theological legacy of St. Thomas Aquinas ahead of the 700th anniversary of his canonization later this month. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports.
3: In a letter written in Latin, Pope Francis has recalled the legacy of St. Thomas Aquinas, describing him as a man of the church, priest, and doctor who shared his great spiritual and human wisdom through prayers and writings. The letter announces the appointment of Cardinal Marcello Semeraro, Prefect of the dicastery for the Causes of Saints, as the Pope's special envoy to the celebration of the 700th anniversary of the canonization of Thomas Aquinas, to be marked on July 18th at the Abbey of Fossanova in the town of Priverno in central Italy. The Pope in his letter notes that the Dominican friar, whom contemporaries already called the angelic doctor, was full of astonishing culture. And never having an air of superiority from his knowledge, but always edified by charity. He writes how St. Thomas Aquinas wrote many works and taught countless subjects, as well qualified in the philosophical and theological disciplines. He writes that St. Thomas Aquinas manifested righteous intelligence and lucidity, and while reverently investigating the divine mysteries with reason, he contemplated them with fervent faith. As the Pope wrote in a letter to the bishops of Latina, Sora, and Frosinone, Italy, on the 28th of June, he recalled that the Thomistic Triennium is taking place, in which the 750th anniversary of his death in 2024 and the eighth centenary of his birth in 2025 will be commemorated, as well as in addition to the 700th anniversary of his canonization. Cardinal Semeraro will celebrate the solemn Eucharist at Fossanova Abbey, the place where the saint. Asleep in the Lord, as he writes in the letter, saying all participants at this event will be encouraged to show their special love for Christ and his gospel with renewed strength and new zeal through prayer, as well as to be ardent with the zeal of faith in daily life. I'm Therese Jones.
2: Intense storms in the Northeast have caused catastrophic flooding in the capital of Vermont. The streets of downtown Montpelier were filled with several feet of water yesterday after the storm dumped heavy rain for two days straight. Roads leading in and out of the city were flooded, trapping some residents in their homes. More than 100 people have been rescued by the National Guard, and President Biden has declared a state of emergency. The U.S. bishops have welcomed the implementation of the Department of Homeland Security's new family reunification parole processes for migrants. Bishop Mark Seitz released a statement saying, quote, We welcome this effort to provide a realistic opportunity for attaining family unity and reunification, which are foundational to the U.S. immigration system and central tenets of Catholic social teaching. End quote. He also reiterated the bishop's call for bipartisan solutions to the immigration problems. Students who struggled with school during the COVID pandemic are still struggling now to keep up with their coursework. Mark Mayfield has more.
0: A study from the nonprofit academic group NWEA examined data from nearly 7 million public school students from grades three through eight. According to the study, achievement gains during 2022 23 fell short of pre pandemic trends, which stalled progress towards pandemic recovery. The study suggests that students need more class time to catch up. I'm Mark Mayfield.
2: And the National League is finally celebrating a win over the American League in Major League Baseball's Midsummer Classic. The NL edged the AL 3 to 2 in the All-Star Game in Seattle yesterday.
1: Well, congratulations to the National League. For yeah. Could
2: you imagine if it had been winning the
1: game and winning all the things that come along with that?
2: which is nothing we like. Well, I
1: guess if—OK, okay, so there's some contract padding to where I think whoever's on the winning team gets, like, a, a bonus.
2: OK, well, they probably got a bonus anyway.
1: Probably got a bonus for making the All-Star game and then a bonus for winning the All-Star game.
2: Right, but yesterday I would just like to say we were discussing this and um, we weren't sure and thought maybe— that the winner of the All-Star Game would still get home field advantage nope. at the World Series. Not the case.
1: Not anymore. Nope. Not the case. But there are all kinds of weird bonuses and things built into people's contracts. Like you, uh, you have your base contract, and then you have the, what you'd get if you get 100 RBIs or more. Mm-hmm. Little, it's sort of like how Paul Lachman has a base salary, and then he gets a bonus for anybody he gets on the phone. And he gets an extra bonus if he gets that person from the phone actually onto the air.
2: That's not true. That's a total lie.
1: Don't you give him like a picture goldfish totally, cracker for each one of those?
2: Matches totally lied on the air. Total lie. There
1: are no bonuses here.
2: Oh, today is Wednesday, July the 12th. It is the feast of Saints Louis and Zelie Martan, the parents of Saint Therese. Pray for us. Speaking of them joining us now on the sunrise morning show is katie warner her latest children's book is called one holy marriage the story of saints louis and Zelie martin katie welcome back to the show thank you much so much for having me back on annie hey you bet what made you want to write this book for children
4: that's a good question, because I actually did not set out to write a book about St. Louis and Bailey Martin. I had intended to write a children's book highlighting the beauty of the sacrament of matrimony, and the Martins really just found their way into the heart of it. In learning about their particular marriage, um, it just became a really beautiful way to learn about marriage as God intended it to be, because their marriage was truly exemplary in its holiness, its goodness, and its virtue.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and that certainly comes out in this book. Where would you get the source material for it?
4: Yeah, there actually are a number of beautiful books already written about their lives. I especially love reading the letters that came from, like, themselves. Um, Zaley, in particular, has a number of letters that I read from that really helped me get a good feel for who she was as a person and as a mother, and also their children. Um, There was one quote from Celine that I absolutely loved, and she described her mother as always active, always devoted, constantly smiling. Our mother never appeared to be doing anything extraordinary, but with remarkable simplicity and humility, she tirelessly spent herself for others and lived always for the good of God. And the more that I read about them, the more I really uncovered these two pretty ordinary people who lived out their lives and vocation with such extraordinary faithfulness. And they, you know, they suffered greatly, but they didn't give in to despair, and every cross gave way to this greater reliance and acceptance of God's will. And I, I feel like anybody who spends time really digging into their lives um, will just be inspired by the fact that they're so relatable, and their uh, path to sanctity is is achievable for all of us.
2: All right, I'm going to read a page in here about um, when they met on a bridge. It says, "'Suddenly she noticed a young man. His soft features and kind eyes held her glance, and in that still brief moment she heard above the bird song a voice whisper in her heart, "'This is he whom I have prepared for you.'" And so Louis and Zelie, the match made in heaven, fell in love. Together they would uncover God's better plan.'" did that really happen? That sounds like a fairy tale.
4: It, <laughs> it does, doesn't it, Annie? I know. That's actually one of my favorite parts, too, because it's real. <laughs> <Like> everything, <laughs> every, you know, I meant to retell their actual story, um, not always with the exact words, but in that case, yes, those were the words that Zaley heard in her heart as she saw Louie on the St. Leonard Bridge, wow. and I, so I just love that, and At the end, the last line you read was about how they uncovered God's better plan. And for for anybody who's not as familiar with the story of their lives— they both had intended to go into the religious life and so it was just it was it was really neat um in in writing the story to show how you know we can have one plan for our lives but god often has a different and often a better plan for us and so if we stay open to his will and the promptings of the holy spirit as uh, you know even even very explicit promptings <laughs> like lily experienced when she saw st louis on the bridge um you know we can uncover a, a beautiful bigger better plan than we could have ever imagined for ourselves
2: well and also drives home the message that you don't have to be a priest or a nun to achieve sanctity
4: absolutely you know i think what you find in the martines is really a husband and father who knew how to pray fiercely for and to sacrifice for his family and then a mother who took really small opportunities to care for others over herself and then give her own fiat to Christ in all the mundane moments of daily life. And what father and mother can't relate to that? I mean, that's the story of our own lives. And I really wanted um, to show children and the parents and loved ones who are reading them this book that the Martine story is their story. It's their parent story that, like the Martines and family life, were called to love in the midst of regular life and all the ups and downs that life and God's providence intends for us, and they really exemplify um, for all of us the hope that we can become saints between the walls of an ordinary home and in ordinary places doing ordinary work.
2: And amid some really tragic moments, I mean, yeah, their, their lives began together sounding like a fairy tale, but uh, going through life, they suffered many crosses—
4: Yeah, I I was really thankful for positive feedback from readers about this, because I did want to include some of the more tragic parts of their life. Um, I mean, they lost four children, and St. Zaley died of cancer. And I try to touch on these events in a gentle but truthful way, because my goal was to highlight how the Martins really cared for each other, and they had such a deep trust in God amidst the crosses. And so you see how even in these just deep moments of suffering— their 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 hope was never lost. Their hope continued to grow. They stayed very connected to the sacraments and to just loving one another and really helping each other in their mutual family goal of attaining heaven.
2: What do we learn about Saint Therese in this book, Katie?
4: So Saint Therese definitely makes a few appearances. One of um, most children's favorite part of the book. That it, uh, it definitely always gets my um, my kids giggling is she brings her, um, her parents a flower. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, def- there's also a theme of gardening in the book, um, you know, in honor of St. Therese, the little flower. And she says to um, St. Bailey, oh, how I wish, um, darling, Mommy and Daddy, that you would die. <laughs> and, and you flip the page and the kids are all going, like, gasping, what? And she <laughs> says, um, and, and Bailey says, Therese, why would you say such a thing? And, and Therese replies, it's so that you can go to heaven, Therese replied, for you say that one has to die to go there. And so the parents kind of smile and realize that all of this, um, effort to teach their children about the beauty of heaven and about their goal in life being to grow in holiness and to be reunited with Jesus Christ in heaven someday, which is the one whom they all love most, you know, even above each other, um, that theme really has, has taken root in the hearts of their daughters, so much so that, that you know, Therese just burst forth with the excitement to be in heaven already with her parents who have died, you know? Yeah. So, um, And then that hope continues through, even as they go on to, to, um, to lose Zaley, just that hope that they'll all reunite in heaven together again someday. So Therese is definitely there, and she's living out a lot of those beautiful virtues that her parents have instilled in her.
2: Well, you set me up beautifully to read the last part that I want to read here. It says, grayish days passed, and now it was Louis who came to the altar, the same altar where he and Zaley had met with hopeful eyes, her soft hands in his strong grasp. The altar where they made their promise, he knelt there without his wife, heart full of loss and full of hope, for he knew his bride was now dancing with her other children in God's garden in the presence of her greatest love. Goodbye for now, Zaley, Louis whispered to himself, until heaven reunites us. Katie, how often did you cry in writing this book? And I mean, isn't that what marriage is all about, that heaven reunites us one day
4: that that annie that's just so true i actually i i was joking with some friends that i've that i do i cry regularly when i read this (laughs) book and i'm like i know that sounds silly because i wrote it but i wasn't writing a story i made you know like i'm i'm Telling the Martine story and their story is so beautiful in its simplicity and its faithfulness and in, like you said, its example of what marriage is meant to be. We're meant to walk hand in hand um, toward heaven together, and so they just demonstrate that so beautifully. And a number of parent readers also have have shared with me, like, there's been some you know moms who get stuck on the page and have to hand the book to their husband exactly. to take over for me. You know,
2: I was like, so, oh my um, gosh, I got to talk about this this morning. Oh my gosh. Yeah.
4: <laughs> so, but, but my goal was not so much to bring everybody to tears in the book so much as to start these conversations in the family about, about what, mir- what God designed marriage to be. And I really think that it is becoming that conversation starter while also not being – I mean, it's not a I – I don't want to say that overall. Oh, it's beautiful. It's a book. It has yeah. a very hopeful tone. And Leah Pumphrey's artwork is absolutely over the top. So the the artwork alone helps bring you into the time period and really bring you into the life of the Martin family, which children are enjoying so much because it's it's absolutely fabulous.
2: It is beautiful. Katie Warner, the book is called One Holy Marriage, the Story of Saints Louis and Zelie Martin. You can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Katie, thank you so much.
4: Thank you so much. God bless and happy feast
2: day. Thank you. You too. All right. At 17 past. We're back with headlines right after this.
5: Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMetopray.com. And click on the red button today.
6: It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective, while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Do you use a
1: single-brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you.
2: Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the monk shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission.
1: And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store.
2: Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com.
7: EWTN is everywhere. EWTN is everywhere. EWTN radio programming is provided free of charge to over 500 domestic and international AM and FM radio stations. It's a great teaching tool for Catholics and non-Catholics alike. For a complete list of EWTN AM and FM stations across America, visit EWTNradio.net. At the bottom of the page, click Affiliates. EWTN, the global Catholic network.
1: 19 past, here's Anna with headlines.
7: President Biden will meet
2: with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky this morning on the final day of the NATO summit in Lithuania. The newly appointed Prefect for the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith has said he sees his task as linking safeguarding the faith to proclaiming the gospel. And Pope Francis has written a letter in Latin praising the theological legacy of St. Thomas Aquinas.
1: News in the top and bottom of each hour, every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Gotta have to go read that Aquinas letter.
2: I know, right? Can you read Latin?
1: No, I can't. Uh, But it's fitting, as Thomas Aquinas would say, that if the Pope were to write something in praise of his work, it would be written in Latin. Sure. So wait, that's Aquinas. Uh, Pascal got one. Yeah. Did we get the Francis de Sales one yet? Uh, I can't remember if we got that one, but that's supposed to be coming out too.
2: I'm just still sitting in awe that our Jesuit Pope has written a letter Something praising of a Dominican. The, the
1: most famous Dominican of all time. I love of the Dominican-Jesuit Dominic.
2: rivalry. It just Interesting. makes me so happy.
1: <laughs> well, he is wearing that Dominican habit. Yeah, it's true. So, all right. Well, I, a little light reading then during the break. Sounds Indeed. like it. It's pretty short. It's 21 minutes past the hour season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine
2: go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at s o n r i s e m o r n i n g s h o w . c o m and when you make a purchase we earn a commission
1: while you're at our site pick up a mug or etched travel mug which are available in our online store
2: get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk
8: Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com this past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com.
9: O Sacred Heart of Jesus, I place my trust in Thee. O Sacred Heart of Jesus... I place my trust in Thee. Whatever may befall me, Lord, though dark the hour may be, in all my woes, in all my joys, though naught but grief I see, O Sacred Heart of Jesus, I place my trust in Thee. When those I loved have passed away, and I am sore distressed, O Sacred Heart of Jesus, I fly to Thee for rest. In all my trials, great or small, my confidence shall be, Unshaken as I cry, dear Lord, I place my trust in Thee. This is my one sweet prayer, dear Lord, my faith, my trust, my love. But most of all in that last hour, when death points up above, O sweet Savior, may Thy face smile on my soul all free. O may I cry with rapturous love, I place my trust in Thee. The Sunrise
1: Morning Show continues. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday, the twelfth of July. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Rob Jack, host of Driving Home the Faith on Sacred Heart Radio in Cincinnati. He is a priest of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Father Rob, good morning. Morning, Matt. So when it comes to the Old Testament, a lot of people know Adam and Eve, Noah's Ark, David and Goliath, and that's about it. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, why do you think it's important for us to really dig into some of the, the more narrative pieces of the Old Testament that might not be as familiar to really get a sense of what God is doing prior to the coming of Christ?
10: Well, the important thing is oftentimes they wonder what it means to say God is personal. Or well, God is personal because he is involved in the life of his people. He's not the deist God where he just set things going and let things run on their own. And when you read throughout the Old Testament, I mean, it's a big book. And so the question is that people can get overwhelmed, and they say, well, where do we start? And, of course, I always encourage people to start with the narratives, the stories. And what you find in there is really—how would would we put it? I guess the best way to say that uh, the mysteries of God are hiding in plain sight, you know?
1: Well, it's kind of hard to understand uh, the verses that get plucked out and put on inspirational cards and the uh you know the the things that people quote or you know etch into pillows if you don't understand the whole narrative text that surrounds some of these things and you know to be honest there are lots of um the stories in the old testament where we make cultural references to them and people don't even know the story that it comes from so you know there's a you you've listed a few of them here and uh all three of them are ones that i've heard of people Uh, you know, referencing when they don't even know what the Bible story is. Solomon, you know, and the two mothers disputing over a baby, Jacob's ladder, right? And even, you know, a talking donkey, right? (laughs) These are things that, like, I've heard people reference in, like, you know, football commentary and things like that, and people don't even know the stories of
10: them. No, they don't, and that's such an important part of it. I mean, this is how people were taught. I mean, the faith, they would learn these basic Bible stories, and I know last year I was talking with Steve Ray on on my show, Driving Home the Faith, and we're saying, Steve, you know, maybe I gave him the idea, he hasn't done it yet, so maybe I can do it myself, is to come up with a little book of maybe 50 Old Testament stories and give their context and what they really mean and how they prepare us. The Old Testament prepares us for Christ, it prepares us for salvation, and in many ways it shows us why we need to be saved, and if we are faithful to God, we see the salvation.
1: Well, you see salvation, yes, but you also see a lot of weird stuff. And I think this is weird <laughs> Well, is wait where, a minute, Matt.
10: Now, we're living in the year 2023. Well, we're not seeing true. any weird
1: stuff. It's not going to be weirder than anything that I see walking around Montgomery County, Maryland. But uh, when it comes to some of these stories, I think there's this impression that the Old Testament is like the old, boring part of the Bible, and nothing could be further from the truth. I wonder if you could give us some examples of that.
10: Well, I mean, the three I wanted to look at today, one of, the, of Solomon and the two, actually, depending on the Bible text, it says the two moms and the two prostitutes, and we all know that story. In other words, why is Solomon wise? What does it mean to say he's wise? And this is a case where it gives an example of when we're with, when we listen to the Lord and we let him give us wisdom, this is the kind of things that happen. We can see the lies between the truth And we can save lives, which is exactly what happened with the two women, where the the false mother was willing to let Solomon cut the two in half, you know, cut the one in half. And then uh, they began to understand he knew, well, obviously, the real mother is the one who gave up the child. And so this is a sense of wisdom. The same with Genesis 28. You know, one of the the worst things I ever had to do when I was in eighth grade is our... uh, (laughs) For eighth grade graduation, our opening song, Hold On To Your Hat, was Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin. Oh, my anyway, goodness. Anyway, now, you know, they, and the, for the reading we had for Mass was Genesis 28, but they had no idea what that was about. I mean, the story there is Jacob's on the lamb. He just stole the birthright and he's on his way and he ha- sits and puts his, you know, makes a rock his pillow. And then he sees his visions of angels of God ascending and descending. And at that very spot, he says, this is where God dwells. And so he set up a rock. That rock was anointed, which is telling us this becomes an altar where, where Jacob can really be with the true God. And God then tells Jacob that I will always be with you. And, of course, that image of a rock ties in with a lot
11: of other images. And,
10: and so we see already the privileged place God has for the human race. He comes down to us and personally shares his life. To the angels, and of course, the last one uh, to look at today was the story of Balaam, and Balaam was a prophet up for hire, and so the en- enemies of Israel hired Balaam to come and curse. And in the process, of God did one him the curse, and God uh, or Balaam wasn't listening to God, and so the angel shows up on the road, and all of a sudden, the donkey keeps going off the road and banging him up against a wall, and he's getting rather upset with that donkey. And he says, why are you doing this, you stupid donkey? He said, listen, you fool, i got an angel in front of me with a sword. I'm trying to save your life. Get off my back, literally, you know? So we see the humor in this, but we also see who God uses. God will use the most unlikely of creatures, including a stubborn ass, to do what? To save us.
1: Hmm. Yeah, well, and again, you've got, you know, all these stories where— the uh, the wisdom, the message, the it all comes from God, right? Solomon's that's wisdom right. is not something that Solomon generates. Jacob's ladder, his uh, you know path towards grace and providence, does not There's come the from Jacob's own smartness, know? right? That's right. That's right. And same thing with uh, Balaam's, you know, being rescued from death doesn't come from Balaam's own ingenuity and talent. It comes from God intervening in a very strange situation. So that's right. All these all these show God interacting with His people in history.
10: And that's, well, we that's why what... Oh, go ahead. That's, that's why the Old Testament is so important for us to read, because as you said before, we hear kind of about the stories, but we really never know the real stories.
1: Well, hopefully we'll hear more of them as, uh, as we continue through this segment, digging into the Old Testament with Father Rob Jack. We've got Driving Home the Faith, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Matt. Again, you can find not just Father Rob, but all the people we talk to here on the Sunrise Morning Show, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. It is half past half past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news.
2: Good morning. President Biden is set to meet with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky today on the second and final day of the NATO summit that's taking place in Lithuania. Zelensky arrived in the capital city yesterday after criticizing NATO leaders for failing to deliver a clear time frame for inviting Ukraine to join the alliance, but NATO leaders say Ukraine can join the military alliance only once certain conditions are met. Mark Mayfield has more.
0: That's what the head of the alliance said earlier on Tuesday during the NATO summit in Lithuania. State Department spokesman Matthew Miller said conditions include anti-corruption efforts and strengthening of its democracy. President Biden has made clear he doesn't believe Ukraine should join until its war with Russia is over. I'm Mark Mayfield.
2: The Northeast has been taking a beating from Mother Nature in the form of intense storms that have caused catastrophic flooding in many places, especially in Vermont. Officials say floodwaters in parts of the state surpassed levels seen when Hurricane Irene blew through the region back in 2011. More than 100 people have had to be rescued by National Guard and damage is estimated to be in the tens of millions of dollars. Crews are expected today to begin clearing debris from roadways in the capital city, Montpelier. Pope Francis has written a letter in Latin praising the theological legacy of St. Thomas Aquinas ahead of the 700th anniversary of his canonization later this month on July 18th. The Holy Father said that Aquinas, never having an air of superiority from his knowledge but always edified by charity, was full of astonishing culture. The Pope said, quote, he wrote many works that taught countless subjects and was well-qualified in the philosophical and theological disciplines. He manifested righteous intelligence and lucidity, and while reverently investigating the divine mysteries with reason, he contemplated them with fervent faith." Quote. The newly appointed prefect of the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith has said he sees the task entrusted to him by Pope Francis is to link the safeguarding of the faith to proclaiming the gospel. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins
12: has the story. It is a person, Jesus Christ, who saves us, not a doctrine. Archbishop Victor Manuel Fernandez, the newly appointed prefect of the Vatican's dicastery for the doctrine of the faith, made this observation in an interview with Andrea Tornielli. He said the Pope's letter sent at his appointment revealed his task to be to promote a theology that grows and deepens in dialogue between theologians and in conversation with science and society, but always at the service of evangelization. The placement of his dicastery after that of evangelization in the new constitution of the Roman Curia, Predicate Evangelium, has already made that clear, said Archbishop Fernandez. He said Christians can proclaim the gospel amid rampant secularization by showing the beauty and attractiveness of the faith without disfiguring it. He expressed the need to engage with culture effectively on this front. As Pope Benedict XVI said in his encyclical Deus Caritas Est, being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the encounter with an event, a person, which gives life a new horizon and a decisive direction. The new prefect said it is appropriate to remember these words today, highlighting that no religious doctrine has ever changed the world unless there has been an event of faith, an encounter that reorients life. He said this applies to Christianity but can be seen in the history of all religions. Without an experience of the living Christ who loves and saves, said Archbishop Fernandez, we cannot shape our being Christian while concentrating on arguing and debating with everyone. Archbishop Fernandez concluded the interview by inviting Christian theologians to develop a well-founded theology that is clearly oriented towards the service of the encounter with Christ. I'm Devin Watkins.
2: The clock is ticking to avoid what could be the largest strike in the United States since the 1950s. Talks between UPS and the Teamsters Union have fallen apart again. A majority of the 340,000 UPS workers voted to authorize a strike by July 31st, and economists warn it could cause major disruptions in the U.S. economy. And students who struggled with school during the COVID pandemic are still struggling to keep up with their coursework. That, according to a study from the nonprofit academic group NWEA, which examined data from nearly 7 million public school students from grades 3 through 8. Apparently, achievement gains during the last school year fell short of pre-pandemic trends. That's the news it's
1: 35 minutes past the, the Sunrise
13: Sunrise Morning Morning Show.
1: Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you.
2: Go to the mystic Monk coffee site through our site sunrisemorningshow.com to browse the monk shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission.
1: And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store.
2: Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig
8: at sonrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com.
14: This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. Deepen day by day the resolution to serve God devoutly, to attend to his will, and to be entirely his. Never deceive yourself that you have realized purity of heart unless you are entirely, freely, and joyfully subject to God's holy will in all things, even the most repugnant. Therefore, Do not consider so much what you do, but the one who commands you to do them. To be a servant of God consists in being charitable to our neighbor, in being determined to follow God's will, and in putting up with our own imperfections. For Sacred Heart Radio, I am Father Chris Armstrong.
1: The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Gary Zimak from followingthetruth.com. And we've been going through his book, When Your Days Are Dark, God is Still Good, Biblical Advice to Help You Trust in Difficult Times. Gary, good morning.
15: Good morning, Matt.
1: So we get to talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as the Tales call them, Rakshak and Benny. Uh, their Hebrew names are a little bit too hard to pronounce this early in the morning. But we got three guys who have a pretty extraordinary story for anybody who feels persecuted by their fa- for their faith so I wonder if you could set it up for us
15: Exactly Matt this is sort of an extreme case of religious persecution so we have these three Hebrew boys Shadrach Meshach and Abednego who have been who are under pressure they have been they're in exile in Babylon they are under the the, the rule of King Nebuchadnezzar and what the king is doing is he's making, uh, um, he mandates that all of the people under his rule will bow down and worship his golden idol. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to do that. And, and, they, and they basically said to the king, we're not going to worship your idol. We worship our God, the one true God. And the king threatened them. He said, if you don't bow down and worship my God, I'm going to throw you into this, this massive fire and burn you to death. So they said, we don't care. We're gonna, we are not going to bow down and worship your God, because our God is strong enough to save us from whatever you do. He throws them in the fire, and miraculously, they emerged unscathed. And the cool thing about this story is, we'll talk more about it, but the cool thing is, ultimately, when they come out, the king himself is so impressed that he's converted. So it just goes to show you that religious persecution can always have a good effect.
1: Well, it is an interesting thing because, you know, I wonder if the king would have converted if they had just sort of argued him in circles for several hours. <laughs> uh, you know, it doesn't seem yeah. as though that that was working because these were guys who had access to those conversations. It seems to me that the real witness happened when they were just faithful, when it was hard to be faithful, and, done, and faithful in a very courageous way. Uh, You know, I I think that there are plenty of examples of good arguments that can be made about why, uh, you know, certain people are wrong. I don't know that we got enough examples out there of people who just stay the course and are faithful in a way that is just a dismaying thing to everybody around.
15: Yeah, exactly. And and you're right By, by what happened to them, by the fact that they were willing to have their lives ended, they were willing to take that risk. It was very effective. And I think the amazing thing is, if you read their words, these these three men said, our God is big enough to save us. But even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down and worship your God. So they were open to God's will. Even if he wasn't going to choose to save them, they were still not going to give in and deny the Lord. And, Matt, you know, the, the thing about this story that I find very amazing is the fact that they wouldn't have been there in this foreign land in the first place, if the king didn't decide to conquer Jerusalem, ultimately, because of his evil action, he and probably many others uh, benefited from it, especially the king, because it brought about his conversion. So his own evil action brought about his conversion and probably the conversion of many
1: other people. Well, you know, what's interesting, too, here is that, you know, everything gets set up as you know, the good guys and the bad guys, and so it can be tempting to think, well, we will win when the bad guys are defeated, but the the Christian goal is something very different and very strange. It's like, you know, we'll consider it a win when the enemies and the friends are all sitting around the same table at the wedding feast of the Lamb, right? (laughs) This is is what really sets apart, you know, a a perfect example of this is uh, the way that we talk about Uh, You know, the pro life issue in ways that are different than it sometimes gets talked about out there in the political world. Uh, The pro life issue of success is not just shutting down, you know, abortion facilities. The success really is converting all the people involved in the abortion industry. Like, that's what we really want is for them to find joy and peace in Christ and put it all down because they found the truth. It's not, at least for me, it's not enough just to, you know, to, to make it illegal. I want to convert them all.
15: Exactly. Exactly, because that's ultimately what we're out to, uh, to achieve as Christians, as you said. And really, in the end, that's the only way this is going to work, the abortion battle or any other issue. It's not just a matter of getting people to go along with us or making something illegal. We've got to convert their hearts. And you're right, because that's going to lead to the next level of that relationship with the Lord that we're looking for everyone to be able to achieve.
1: Well, I think people can tell. Uh, when we have a different goal than the rest of the world, when our goal is to help someone else be happy, uh, <laughs> you know, as opposed right, yeah. <laughs> to just in someone else's uh, income stream, I think that that people can tell when there's a a, a different approach there. Uh, that you know, ultimately, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their goal was not to merely you know, thumb their nose at the pagan king, their goal was to glorify God. <laughs> and uh right. and it bore right. some pretty interesting fruit.
15: Yeah, right. And you know, Matt, the one thing before we end this, I want to make sure we mention the fourth man in the fire, that um you know, that the presence of the Lord with them in the fire, and I think it's a reminder for all of us, when we're going through that religious persecution and we're going to get it on any number of different levels. It might not be physical violence. It might not be anger and cursing, or it, it just might be ridicule. People might ridicule us for our faith. But the important thing to remember is that fourth man in the fire with them and with us. The Lord is with us. He, he gets it. He understands what we're doing. He, appreciate it. he appreciates us, and he's not going to let us down when we're in the midst of that religious persecution.
1: Well, and again, you know, you and I experience things in the United States that are annoying, that are frustrating, that make us feel like social weirdos, uh, that sometimes even make us think, I don't know if I should be working at this place anymore or buying from these people anymore, and we we experience it in in a very much like a social pressure kind of way here, but make no mistake, there are people around the world who claim the name of Christ who are facing things that are life and death every day, and so... Uh, you know, every time I face something that is an annoyance, a frustration, uh, a sort of ideological battle, I just think to myself, man, Lord, <laughs> I pray for those people around the world who've got it a hundred times worse than I do uh, and, and unite myself with them because, you know, that is that is who we are as the body of Christ. We're meant to be doing this all together, and it's the witness of those those saints under pressure around the world that really, I think, gives me the strength to fight the petty and annoying battles in my world.
15: You are so right, Matt, that, that religious, that real violent religious persecution is out there. I was shocked when I started hearing from some organizations who, who really try to, to, to help these people. I mean, it is nasty, it is brutal, and it's a reminder for us all that, you know, being a Christian is not, and it's not for wimps, it's not for wimps, but the Lord's never going to desert us.
1: Indeed. Well, Gary Zimak, if our listeners want to get a copy of your book, When Your Days Are Dark, God Is Still Good?, how can they do so?
15: Best place is to go right to my website, followingthetruth.com.
1: And you can find followingthetruth.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Gary, as well as all of our guests linked there. Have a good one, my friend. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, buddy. Thanks so much. All right. We got headlines with Anna Mitchell next. It's a quarter till. I'm Matt Swain, grateful that Visiting Angels underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide to continue living at home rather than a nursing home. Experienced, compassionate caregivers provide assistance in hygiene meals and light housework, and services are provided up to 24 hours per day with caregiver selection before service begins. Visiting Angels. Online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. For over 500
0: years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. That's lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show.
3: Tis the season
1: for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine.
2: Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission.
1: While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get
2: your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com.
7: Wherever you are in the world, you can access the EWTN Global Catholic Network. It's everywhere. You can get EWTN's great Catholic programming on your car radio, at home on your TV, computer, or smart speaker. With EWTN's app, you can take EWTN everywhere on your phone or mobile device. If you want your news in print, turn to EWTN's paper of record, the National Catholic Register. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network.
1: 13 till, here's Anna with headlines.
2: President Biden is set to meet with Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky today on this final day of the NATO summit in Lithuania. Pope Francis has written a letter in Latin praising the theological legacy of St. Thomas Aquinas and the newly appointed prefect for the dicastery of the doctrine of the faith, has said his task is to link the safeguarding of the faith to the proclamation of the gospel. Next newscast coming up in about 15-ish minutes from now as the Sunrise Morning Show continues here on EWTN Radio. It's 12 till. Happy to welcome back to the Sunrise Morning Show Dr. Chad Packnald, professor at Catholic University of America, and he's teaching a free semester-long course on Catholic political thought, modernity and the common good, for the Institute of Catholic Culture starting later this month. Dr. Pecknold, welcome back.
16: Annie, so good to be with you on this wonderful morning.
2: It is so good to have you. And classes with Dr. Pecknold will be live via Zoom on Thursday nights. Registration for this course closes on July 13th. So head over to instituteofcatholicculture.org to register. Now, when it comes to the principles of governance today, Dr. Pecknold, what would you say are the top priorities of the Catholic Church?
16: Well, I mean I think you know the, the top priority is, is that the human family is served and, and that the human family is is helped to flourish and and that requires you to have a polity which attends to not the the fundamental unit of political order is not the individual, but the family, and that that if you want to think about, you know, uh, defense of a country, uh, what you want to do is think about what are the goods that we're defending, and the primary good that we're defending is the the family. And so this is why I think the the Catholic Church has continually stressed that, that the family is the fundamental unit. Uh, that we're concerned about, and uh, we currently see disorder in our world uh, precisely around the family, and that tells us something important, that we're going in the wrong direction politically. I think everybody knows that, and the Catholic Church has always has always understood that that's the key metric. How's the family doing?
2: Yeah, so when it comes to modernity and the common good, and, and this course that you will be teaching, Dr. Pecknold, what what are some of the pivotal moments in history that you plan to cover in this course that have helped the Church refine her perspective uh, as Catholics on politics?
16: Right. This is part two of a, of a two-part course, but you don't have to have taken the first part. The first part was on the first thousand years, and you're, you're right. The Church has developed her understanding of social and political teaching over time. We begin this course on modernity... I date modernity uh, to a, a metaphysical breakup that happens in the fourteenth century, uh, and so we begin with the problem of nominalism and the way in which uh, human beings uh, began to think that uh, that our life together uh, doesn't need to correspond to reality per se or nature per se, but it's just what we decide on it on on. on whatever it is we agree on is just what, what order is. And, and I think that, that disrupted an older view, that, that our social and political order actually corresponds to reality, and, and we must create order that corresponds to nature and, and corresponds to the design of the universe that God has made. That breakup, then, uh, of, of a metaphysical vision of, of the world uh, created uh, the conditions for the possibility of Martin Luther uh, and the the pulling away of countries from the church, uh, and so the the origins of early modern liberalism uh, is tied up intimately with with the Protestant schism and and human beings uh, being tied to. A kind of fugitive movement away from Christendom, a fugitive movement away from the church uh, and nations going their own way, and so that's that's a, how I understand the 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 fundamental uh, disorder that we experience today finds its early origins in the in the fourteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth century. Those are the mm-hmm. early years of modernity, and it disrupts us. It disrupts our world today. It's something that isn't so far in the past. uh, We experience it even in our view of the common good. You'll find people very skeptical about the common good. And one of the reasons why they're skeptical is precisely because of nominalism, because nominalism taught us that, you know, uh, uh, the the good wasn't something objective, but it's just whatever we decided it was. And so we're all skeptical about the common good, and and that that makes us all uh, kind of a individualists who all want our own thing, and that just leads to rights conflicts and a disordered society in which everyone's following their passions in diverse and chaotic directions.
2: Well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Um, I'm, I'm looking at the list of topics that you'll be covering over the 17 weeks of this course And uh, looking at now, of course, I admittedly am American in my perspective, and this is going to have a more global perspective overall. But looking at this as an American, I see uh, the errors of revolution, liberalism, secularism, separationism, and ideological colonization. How have all of those gone into what we see in America today?
16: Yeah, I mean, one of the you're you're absolutely right, Andy. The the Institute for Catholic Culture is incredible. About our, our last course brought 2,500 people together from many different countries. I I can't recall how many different countries, and that was one of the nice aspects of of the last course and will be of this course is that we get more than an American perspective. We get a, a perspective from from all over the world from from students who who see the. The order and disorder of their own countries differently than we do, uh, but in our own country, I think we've always struggled with what Pope Leo called the heresy of Americanism, um, and that's that's also implied in in that uh, in that uh, error of separationism. But the the error of Americanism, which which American Catholics have suffered from, is this idea that uh, our Catholicism should conform to the liberal order. That our Catholic faith, in order to be harmonious with American society, we should go along and get along with uh, even American errors. That's caused a lot of problems for the Church, but it's also caused a lot of problems for our country, because it's deprived our country of real Catholic wisdom about order, because we've decided to give up our birthright and not defend the Catholic view of order, not speak up for the Catholic view of order.
2: Really want to encourage folks to register for this course. I will be there every week with Dr. Pecknold and very much looking forward to learning from you about modernity and the common good. Again, org is where you can go to register. You have until July 13th. Dr. Pecknold, thank you so much.
16: Absolutely. Register. It's free.
2: It's free. Absolutely free. No hidden, no hidden fees org And uh, Matt, you know who else is going to be in this class? Who's that? So I'm going to be there with Dr. Pecknold. I um, I, I got in. And um, Cy Kellett has Cy's signed up. There? Cy right. Kellett, I was listening to Dr. Pecknold was on probably, uh, Catholic uh, Answers. Probably starts right
1: after he goes off the air on Catholic Answers.
2: Yeah, doc, uh, Dr. Pecknold was on Catholic Answers the other night. And Cy was like... I just signed up for the course.
1: <laughs> well, there you go.
2: <laughs> so come join me and Cy Kellett, Matt. Get registered, That's man. Cool.
1: You say no hidden fees, so that no means that Doctor Pecknell doesn't get like a bonus, like the All Stars. he doesn't. He earn... doesn't get like a like an extra two dollars every time he says the word nominalism or something like that.
2: No, no. Well, unless we have some. If we'd have been that... paying
1: that to Gary Machuda, Gary Machuda would have oh, a small my gosh, fortune.
2: I know, right?
1: But you know, there's some overlap in those. Uh, conversation. again What do we got Gary Machuda in there, too?
2: Oh, man.
1: We should just have, like, a big That'd old sunrise so morning good. show party at one of these. We should just sunrise morning show bomb one of these ICC classes with just nothing but sunrise morning show people in it.
2: That happens quite often, actually. Yeah. I do it a lot the ICC. Well, we should do it
1: formally, yeah. though.
2: Oh, okay. Formally. I like that. That's good.
1: Well, we're formally committed to another hour here on EWTN. Do stay with us. It's three minutes till.
0: Dot com.
13: Arise, it's a new day, hear his words.
1: It is Wednesday, the 12th of July. It is the Feast of Saints Louis and Zelie Martin. Let's begin together in prayer, praying the Prayer of Abandonment, written by St. Charles de Foucault, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, I abandon myself into your hands. Do with me what you will. Whatever you may do, I thank you. I am ready for all, I accept all. Let only your will be done in me and all your creatures. I wish no more than this, O Lord. Into your hands I commend my soul. I offer it to you with all the love of my heart. For I love you, Lord, and I so need to give myself, to surrender myself into your hands without reserve and with boundless confidence, for you are my Father. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Saints Louis and Zelie Martin. Parents of the Little Flower. Pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for joining us here on a Wednesday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, we'll talk to Father Philip Michael Tangora, get some of his thoughts on uh, how it all works with the naming of the new Cardinals, who will be sort of confirmed as Cardinals, as it were, in the fall. Carlo Broussard is discussing a partnership between Catholic Answers and the Diocese of Tulsa. I'm very curious about this. Ken Craycraft along as well. Uh, He'll be talking about the win for 303 Creative at the Supreme Court and the implications for questions of religious liberty. And then Father John Gavin will discuss the unfolding of Revelation as talked about in the Catechism of the Catholic Church and as informed by the Witness of the Church Fathers. So... Lots to get to on a Wednesday morning. Do stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past. News of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com as well as Central Fabricators and CentralFabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell.
2: Good morning. Members of the G7 are expected to sign off on a security deal with Ukraine at today's NATO summit in Lithuania. They still have not provided a timeline for Ukraine to join NATO while it fights the war with Russia. The deal will reportedly include military equipment, training, and intelligence sharing. The G7 includes the U.S., U.K., Canada, France, Germany, Italy, and Japan. The deal was reached after Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky expressed anger at the lack of commitments to bring his country into the NATO alliance. Meantime, President Biden is set to meet with Zelensky today on this final day of the NATO summit in Lithuania. Pope Francis has written a letter praising the theological legacy of St. Thomas Aquinas ahead of the 700th anniversary of his canonization later this month. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports.
3: In a letter written in Latin, Pope Francis has recalled the legacy of St. Thomas Aquinas, describing him as a man of the church, priest, and doctor who shared his great spiritual and human wisdom through prayers and writings. The letter announces the appointment of Cardinal Marcello Semeraro, Prefect of the Dicastery for the Causes of Saints, as the Pope's special envoy to the celebration of the 700th anniversary of the canonization of Thomas Aquinas, to be marked on July 18th at the Abbey of Fossanova in the town of Priverno in central Italy. The Pope in his letter notes that the Dominican friar, whom contemporaries already called the angelic doctor, was full of astonishing culture and never having an air of superiority from his knowledge, but always edified by charity. He writes how Saint Thomas Aquinas wrote many works and taught countless subjects, as well qualified in the philosophical and theological disciplines. He writes that Saint Thomas Aquinas manifested righteous intelligence and lucidity, and while reverently investigating the divine mysteries with reason, he contemplated them with fervent faith. As the Pope wrote in a letter to the bishops of Latina, Sora and Frosinone, Italy on the twenty eighth of June, He recalled that the Thomistic Triennium is taking place, in which the 750th anniversary of his death in 2024 and the 8th centenary of his birth in 2025 will be commemorated, as well as in addition to the 700th anniversary of his canonization. Cardinal Semeraro will celebrate the solemn Eucharist at Fossanova Abbey, the place where the saint fell asleep in the Lord. As he writes in the letter saying all participants at this event will be encouraged to show their special love for Christ and his gospel with renewed strength and new zeal through prayer, as well as to be ardent with the zeal of faith in daily life. I'm Therese Jones.
2: Intense storms that have hit the Northeast in recent days have caused catastrophic flooding in Vermont. Officials say floodwaters in parts of the state surpassed levels seen when Hurricane Irene hit the region back in 2011. More than 100 people have had to have been rescued, have had, have been rescued by the National Guard. And today, crews are expected to begin clearing debris from roadways in Montpelier. Meantime, millions across parts of New York, New Hampshire and Maine are also dealing with massive rainfall. Students who struggled with school during the COVID pandemic are still struggling now to keep up with their coursework. Mark Mayfield reports.
0: A study from the nonprofit academic group NWEA examined data from nearly 7 million public school students from grades 3 through 8. According to the study, achievement gains during 2022-23 fell short of pre-pandemic trends, which stalled progress towards pandemic recovery. The study suggests that students need more class time to catch up. I'm Mark Mayfield.
2: Bank of America is being ordered to pay hundreds of millions of dollars in fines. The bank is accused by federal regulators of multiple violations, including overcharging customers on fees and opening accounts without customer consent. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau has ordered Bank of America to pay customers more than $100 million and another $90 million in fines. Bank of America is also being ordered to pay $60 million in penalties by the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency. The National League is celebrating a win over the American League in Major League Baseball's midsummer classic. The NL edged the AL 3-2 to in the All-Star game in Seattle. And the United States is aiming to lock up a spot in the CONCACAF Gold Cup Finals. The U.S. will play Panama tonight in the semifinal round at Snapdragon Stadium in San Diego. Team USA defeated Canada 3-2 to on penalty kicks in the quarterfinal round here in Cincinnati last Sunday. A win over Panama would set up a match against either Jamaica or Mexico in the finals at SoFi Stadium on Sunday.
1: Wow. So, like...
2: The U.S. is doing well.
1: That is. But where would you say they're playing?
2: Well, Snapdragon Stadium
1: sounds more like a place where you'd race carts for the Mushroom Cup than play uh, soccer for us. A... Isn't
2: a yeah? Uh, isn't Snapdragon um, one of the plants that Rita Heikenfeld recommends for a Mary Garden?
1: I'd have to look at that.
2: Snapdragon.
1: I can't remember. I don't think to so.
2: About eating And you're
1: just going to look up Snapdragon's oh, and I'm going to look and up just Snapdragons. ignore my Mario Kart reference.
2: I caught the Mario Kart reference.
1: I'm right? I'm asking you right now. I was while you're not looking.
2: a big Mario Kart. Really? I didn't have. I didn't. I was about to say PlayStation. I didn't have um the Nintendo like the Super Nintendo. I had like the regular Nintendo. PlayStation. Which...
1: That's a, is this your like use the force? No. Hairy, well, no. This Gandalf is moment. <laughs>
2: No, it's because I was, um, what were we talking about yesterday? Oh, Roma's really into this game that Will played as a kid on a computer called Backyard Baseball. I mean, oh. it looks like it's from the 1980s. And he was talking about that and then was talking about what games I played as a kid. And he brought up my brother's PlayStation. We used oh. to play Guitar Hero. And I said, yeah, that's a game I would let my kids play. All I
1: ever played on PlayStation was Madden. Uh, Let's see, what else? Uh, I never played Guitar Hero. Some wrestling stuff, and mostly just Katamari Damacy.
2: Okay, Snapdragon called the infant Jesus's shoes. I knew it. It wasn't a merry garden.
14: Well, there you go.
1: It's a shame it's not a Thursday. We could have asked Rita directly. You'll have to listen into. They're Thursday also
2: edible flowers.
1: Well, there you go. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Philip Michael Tangora. He's a pastor, a canon lawyer, author of Holiness and Living the Sacramental Life. Father, good morning.
17: Good morning.
1: So I just want to express my consolation to you. You did not get the red hat this time around, uh, but uh, you're young still. <laughs> I know that youth is not necessarily an <laughs> obstacle. There's some young cardinals in the mix. Uh, but when someone has created a cardinal, um, before we get into who was connected to the United States who became a cardinal or will become a cardinal, like what is it that's really being conferred on them? Because I think there's a lot of confusion about this.
17: Okay, well, it is an honorary uh, title, and it is bestowed upon those that the pope has determined will be his principal advisors. And so many times you'll hear things like there's a cardinal see, that that diocese always has a cardinal. There is no such thing as a cardinal see. There is merely the fact that the Pope chooses who his chief advisors are going to be. And so that's why it is there's making a big deal about the fact that Pope Francis has picked some people that you would not normally pick or uh, because they're an auxiliary bishop, and they're not even a a bishop of a diocese yet, or different things of that sort. The pope picks who his chief advisors are, and that's what the College of Cardinals do. They have two main functions, to advise the pope on central issues affecting the universal life of the Church, and to elect another pope. Those are the two main things that the
1: cardinals do. All right, I think I already know the answer to this question, but who who gets to tell the pope who he can and can't make a cardinal? No one. That's what I thought.
17: <laughs> so
1: I mean, this is kind of uh one of those things where it just comes straight from the top and uh he can he can pick who he wants. Um but let's talk exactly. about the ones who have connections to the United States. Uh and actually um there are well, well, let's talk specifically about the um the 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 nuncio. So this nuncio to the United States is connected to the United States, but is not himself a United States guy, so talk a little bit about Archbishop Pierre, now Cardinal Pierre, will be Cardinal Pierre.
17: Yes, Cardinal-elect Archbishop Christophe Pierre is the Apostolic Nuncio to the United States, and he has been a part of the diplomatic corps for many years. He is a very well-spoken uh, canon lawyer, and has done a lot of very good things for uh, representing the Pope to the United States. Now, you see, that's the whole thing. Annuncio is the representative of the Pope. He is not uh, an ambassador in the sense of, I'm representing the Vatican city-state. He is the Pope's representative, the papal representative to that country, to their bishops, and to uh, all the other different elements of uh, diplomatic ties between the Holy See and uh, the the, uh, United States of America.
1: So does anything really change in his job if he gets the red hat there as the people nuncio? No,
17: it's actually not common historically for nuncios to receive the red hat unless they became, say, the Secretary of State or something of that effect in the Apostolic See. But what they wound up happening is uh, Pope Francis has a great respect for the work of nuncios, and so he has, during his pontificate, chosen a few nuncios to be cardinals, and it it is a a significant uh, recognition of their role as his papal representatives.
1: So if a car- I'm going to just ask you some technical questions now, if that's okay. hmm So sure. a cardinal can vote in a papal conclave until they're 80 years old. What What's the point of a pope ever giving um, a red say, hat well, to— Well, they, oh, yeah.
17: they can actually even vote when they're 80 if they turn 80 during the conclave.
1: Oh, okay. Well, what happens if somebody's <laughs> made a cardinal after they're 80?
17: Then they receive the honorary title. They— receive all the different rights that are conferred with that being an, a cardinal, such as the fact that you can do a confirmation anywhere in the world, for instance. You don't have to have the permission of a bishop, you are a cardinal, there you are. You have universal faculties for every sacrament. Um, but the interesting thing is that you would then not be a cardinal elector.
18: Okay.
1: So uh, it's really just a chance of saying... Thank you for all of your years of service to the Church. You can kind of exactly. have the run of the place. All right, so I have another technical exactly. question. Uh, so these guys are not cardinals yet. They've just been named to the consistory, right? Uh, that's going to be—well, they're going to officially become uh, cardinals. They've been elected, yeah, right. so they're known as
17: cardinal-elect, just the Cardinal way elect. someone who's been elected a bishop would be a bishop-elect.
1: Well, let's say something happens and the Holy Father were to pass away between now and the time he formally confers the red hat on these cardinals. Are they going to be in the conclave?
17: Uh, No, they would not.
1: Wow. That is interesting. They have to be admitted into college. Uh, Yeah, because you would think that once they name them the cardinals, they might do it overnight, because it tends to be, right, when it comes to the appointment of bishops— you're sort of named a bishop, and you pretty much start moving into the house, right?
17: Yeah. Well, but still, you would not
1: have—if
17: you're not a bishop already, you would not have the sacred power to exercise the office of a bishop.
1: Until you're installed formally, I guess.
17: Until you're ordained a bishop, and then installed—until and until you're installed into the office— you do not have the, the powers to exercise of that office.
1: Very fascinating. You know, this is stuff that, uh, you know, you think you know, but it's helpful to kind of like go back and say, now how does this actually work? Because <laughs> uh, there really is kind sure. of a, there's a lot of misconception out there about what a cardinal means. It's not just like a super bishop. So, uh, Father yeah. Philip Michael Tangora, thank you so much for being our canon law splainer. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>
17: All right. God bless.
1: Bye-bye. All right. We're back with Headlines and Anna Mitchell right after this. It's 16 minutes past the hour.
5: Are you looking for peace? Logging for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeaksMeToPray.com and click on the red button today.
6: It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Do you use a single-brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming
1: have single-use coffee pods especially for you.
2: Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the monk shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission.
1: And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store.
2: Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com.
1: Why do we need Catholic Radio? Because not everybody is sitting in front of a computer or watching their television set at home. How about when driving to work? Catholic Radio is there for you. I may be a Catholic priest, but I'm still a student of the faith. And Catholic Radio helps supply good material, whether it be a question and answer format show, whether it be a show itself on doctrine or
19: theology. I myself, as a priest, am always learning.
10: Father Wade thinks Catholic
0: Radio is important. So should you.
1: 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines.
2: President Biden will meet with Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky today on this final day of the NATO summit in Lithuania. Intense storms have hit the northeast in recent days and have caused catastrophic flooding in Vermont. And Pope Francis yesterday issued a letter praising the theological legacy of St. Thomas Aquinas ahead of the 700th anniversary of his canonization later this month.
1: News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Seven hundredth anniversary.
13: Mm-hmm.
1: Wow, that's a and lot. You know, it is interesting think... to, to kind of catch up on some of the anniversaries that are going to hit and how they're going to hit. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're uh, we're a year or two, well, uh, about a year and a half away from the seventeen hundredth anniversary of the Council of Nicaea.
2: Oh yes,
1: and then about twenty-five. Yeah, let's see. How's my math? Like uh, twenty twenty-eight. Let's see, twenty-three. No, maybe twenty. No, thirty-one years away from the one thousandth anniversary of the East-West split yeah. between Orthodox and Catholics. Yeah, which is gotta, wild.
2: That's that's one we got to work on here. We got to work on in the church.
1: I need a, I need some sort of an anniversary tracker app.
2: Um, I believe that, me, that uh, there are plenty of sources that will do that for you.
1: Yeah, well I need you just to, gotta look it up. I mean I can't remember birthdays. So
2: You got a birthday coming up in a couple of weeks. You don't remind me. Oh, I'm sorry.
1: I'll be uh I'll be forty four. Hank Aaron's number. Ooh. Eric Davis's number. Julio Rodriguez's number uh Ellie de la Cruz's number
2: oh that's right
1: 44. so uh, on my nice. birthday I'm gonna do that thing where I've got the four fingers and then I like do the like the the hand roll thing and then I do the row on the boat celebration mm-hmm. that's uh that's Ellie's Ellie's
2: kind of cool that you can 40. actually use two hands to show your age
1: yeah how There's... I'm four years old Nope. Pl- no nope. plus, plus, plus four, four year, plus
2: eight, four not eight 44.
1: Neat. For iced tea, if you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine
2: go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com and when you make a purchase we earn a commission
1: while you're at our site pick up a mug or etched travel mug which are available in our online store
2: get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee
8: for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com this past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry,
20: or nonprofit
8: on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com.
20: A novena prayer for the intercession of St. Maximilian Kolbe. O Lord Jesus Christ who said greater love than this no man has than that a man lay down his life for his friends through the intercession of Saint Maximilian Kolbe whose life illustrated such love we beseech you to grant our petitions through the Knights of the Immaculata movement which Maximilian founded he spread a fervent devotion to Our Lady throughout the world he gave up his life for a total stranger and loved his persecutors Giving us an example of unselfish love for all people, a love that was inspired by true devotion to Mary. Grant, O Lord Jesus, that we too may give ourselves entirely, without reserve, to the love and service of our Heavenly Queen in imitation of your humble servant, Maximilian. Amen. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Father Greg Connerman.
2: It's 23 minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. So happy to have you along with us on a Wednesday morning. Carlo Broussard is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's an apologist with Catholic Answers and online at carlobroussard.com. Hey, Carlo. Good morning. Carlo, are you there? Paul, I think we lost Carlo. Oh, no. Matt, are you there?
1: There.
2: Matt is there. Oh, good. We're going to have to talk about something until we can get Carlo back on the line Maybe
1: we just talk about Carlo. (laughs) That guy. You know he's bald. I've heard that. Oh, by the way, I do have some cool cool updates of info related to Catholic Answers. Uh, I just uh, confirmed with some people this week that – Four of my colleagues are heading out to the Catholic Answers Conference in San Diego
13: oh, with cool. the Coming Home
1: Network. So Coming Home Network's going to have a, a table out at the Catholic Answers Conference. So they get to get to hang out with Carlo and the gang. Wow. So that should be pretty cool. I don't get to go this trip, but uh, it'll be pretty cool.
19: That's awesome.
2: Carlo, you there now? Good morning. I am
19: here. Can you hear me?
2: I can hear you. Good morning, Carlo.
19: Good morning. I moved the microphone and I think I messed the, up the wire, so my apologies.
13: <laughs>
2: <laughs> These are definitely radio problems, but nonetheless, we are so glad you're here. You know, it's it's been a little while since you've been on the yes, show, Carlo, has. because you have been moving and not just like down the street, yes. like you have moved. Tell us about it. Yes,
19: the Bruce Hart clan is now in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Tulsa. Uh, Catholic Answer. Yes, uh, Catholic Answers recently entered into a formal partnership with the Diocese of Tulsa in eastern Oklahoma, that involves me coming over here and continuing to work as a Catholic Answers apologist, but devoting half of my workload to, on the local level, here in the diocese, assisting the bishop, Bishop David Conderla, his diocesan team, and all of the pastors in the diocese with whatever pastoral needs that they have with regards to apologetics, evangelization, catechesis, theology, philosophy, and I'm continuing to devote the other half of my workload to what I've already been doing at Catholic Answers, namely writing my books, podcasting. Uh, writing articles, traveling and speaking, as well as doing Catholic Answers Live. And so it's a new chapter for me in my career and for the Bruce Broussard clan to be here in Oklahoma. And we, Anna, we are excited. Uh, this is There's so much going on here in the Diocese of Tulsa. It's kind of under the radar. People yeah. really don't know what's going on. But the, the bishop's team has been doing wonderful work here in the diocese with the Alcuin Institute. There's two great Catholic philosophers at the University of Tulsa. Uh, there's so much going on, and I'm just so grateful to be a part of it and for Catholic Answers to be a part of it. And Anna's the first of its kind. This is yeah. the first time Catholic Answers has had a formal presence and partnership with a diocese. And so we'll see if it works. It could be a working model for potential future apologists. We'll see what happens.
2: Well, I don't know how much you're willing to share from behind the curtains here, but I am curious about how this partnership came about and how you all at Catholic Answers decided that this was consistent enough with the mission of Catholic Answers that you were going to go ahead with this.
19: Yeah, well, one thing that started to spark Um, get the wheels spinning is the need to get out of California.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I believe that. Yeah.
19: First of all, I just didn't want to wake up at four 30 in the morning to do the sunrise sunrise morning morning show show
2: anymore. (laughs) Yeah. It's a little more reasonable Uh, now,
19: (laughs) but yeah, with inflation, we, it it was just very difficult to survive there financially. And so we needed a path forward. We didn't have one, but we were toying with the idea and having conversations with another diocese in the country about this same sort of setup, but it was just an idea form. There was nothing actualized yet, and whenever uh, uh, Catholic Answers started having conversations with the Diocese of Tulsa for other things, that idea came up in conversation, and so the Diocese of Tulsa requested uh, for Catholic Answers to uh, enter into that partnership with them. And so we jumped on it, and literally within five weeks, we had a contract signed. Wow. We started getting our house sold. We sold it, and the Lord has been putting the pieces together. Although it has been difficult to get here, Anna. We broke down five hours into the road trip. Oh, my Had gosh. to leave our suburban in Kingsman, Arizona for 12 days. Had to come back, go back, get it, bring it back, and so... Uh, Wow. Yeah, it's been quite a journey, but here we are, and we're trying to get settled into our new home. And then the second night in our new home, Anna, we had like this unusual once-in-50-year storm here. We're a like 100-mile-an-hour oh wind gust. <laughs> Welcome to Tulsa, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. But the good thing, Anna, the bright side is that every storm that comes our way now will be less than that, and mm-hmm. so it'll be a cakewalk. Yeah. So we experienced the worst first, and then everything's better from there on out. But That's it's awesome. been great. People here are great. We love it. It's a 65% decrease in the pace of life. We can actually physically feel the less stress and driving wow. around town. Mm-hmm. And so it, I think it's going to be a good good life for us here.
2: That's awesome. You're not quite in the Midwest where I am, but it sounds like more of a Midwestern lifestyle for yes. you. So congratulations Indeed. on that, Carla. Thank you, Anna. And uh, yes. very much looking forward. Please keep us posted on how things are going. Absolutely. And of course, now that it's a more reasonable hour of the morning
19: for you, <laughs>
2: we'll look forward to having you back to uh, go through your new relativism book, Uh, starting next week. Does that sound good?
19: Uh, That sounds great, Anna. I cannot wait. We're going to rock it.
2: Oh, yeah. I'm very much looking forward to it. You can find Carlo Broussard and Catholic Answers linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Pick up a copy of Carlo's book so you can go through it with us together. Carlo, thank you so much.
19: Thank you, Anna. Have a great day. You do
2: the same. Thank you, Carlo. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. (music) Members of the G7 are expected to sign off on a security deal with Ukraine at today's NATO summit in Lithuania. They still have not provided a timeline for Ukraine to join NATO while it fights the war with Russia. The deal will reportedly include military equipment, training and intelligence sharing. The G7 includes the U.S., the U.K., Canada, France, Germany, Italy and Japan. The deal was reached after Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky expressed anger at the lack of commitments to bring his country into the NATO alliance. But NATO leaders say Ukraine can join once certain conditions are met. Mark Mayfield
0: reports. That's what the head of the alliance said earlier on Tuesday during the NATO summit in Lithuania. State Department spokesman Matthew Miller said conditions include anti-corruption efforts and strengthening of its democracy. President Biden has made clear he doesn't believe Ukraine should join until its war with Russia is over. I'm Mark Mayfield.
2: The Northeast has been taking a beating from Mother Nature in the form of intense storms that have caused catastrophic flooding in many places, especially in Vermont. Officials say floodwaters in parts of the state surpassed levels seen when Hurricane Irene blew through the region back in 2011. More than 100 people have had to be rescued by the National Guard, And damage is estimated to be in the tens of millions of dollars so far. Later today, crews are expected to begin clearing debris from roadways in the capital city, Montpelier. Pope Francis has written a letter in Latin praising the theological legacy of St. Thomas Aquinas, just ahead of the 700th anniversary later this month of the canonization of Aquinas on July 18th. The Holy Father said that Aquinas, never having an air of superiority from his knowledge but always edified by charity, was full of astonishing culture. The Pope said, quote, he wrote many works and taught countless subjects and was well qualified in the philosophical and theological disciplines. He manifested righteous intelligence and lucidity, and while reverently investigating the divine mysteries with reason, he contemplated them with fervent faith, End quote. The newly appointed prefect of the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith has said he sees his task entrusted to him by Pope Francis as linking the safeguarding of the faith to proclaiming the gospel. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins has more.
12: It is a person, Jesus Christ, who saves us, not a doctrine. Archbishop Victor Manuel Fernandez, the newly appointed prefect of the Vatican's Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith, made this observation in an interview with Andrea Tornielli. He said the Pope's letter sent at his appointment revealed his task to be to promote a theology that grows and deepens in dialogue between theologians and in conversation with science and society, but always at the service of evangelization. The placement of his dicastery after that of evangelization in the new constitution of the Roman Curia, Predicat Evangelium, has already made that clear, said Archbishop Fernandez. He said Christians can proclaim the gospel amid rampant secularization by showing the beauty and attractiveness of the faith without disfiguring it. He expressed the need to engage with culture effectively on this front. As Pope Benedict XVI said in his encyclical Deus Caritas Est, being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the encounter with an event, a person, which gives life a new horizon and a decisive direction. The new prefect said it is appropriate to remember these words today, highlighting that no religious doctrine has ever changed the world unless there has been an event of faith and encounter that reorients life. He said this applies to Christianity but can be seen in the history of all religions. Without an experience of the living Christ who loves and saves, said Archbishop Fernandez, we cannot shape our being Christian while concentrating on arguing and debating with everyone. Archbishop Fernandez concluded the interview by inviting Christian theologians to develop a well-founded theology that is clearly oriented towards the service of the encounter with Christ. I'm Devin Watkins.
2: U.S. bishops have welcomed the implementation of the Department of Homeland Security's new family reunification parole processes for migrants. Bishop Mark Seitz released a statement saying... Quote, we welcome this effort to provide a realistic opportunity for attaining family unity and reunification which are foundational to the us immigration system and central tenets of catholic social teaching he also reiterated the us bishops call for bipartisan solutions to immigration that's the news it's 35 past c- the sunrise
13: sunrise, sunrise. Sunrise.
8: This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com.
1: Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you
2: go to the mystic monk coffee site through our site sunrisemorningshow.com to browse the monk shot options when you check out we'll earn a commission
1: and why not brew it straight into a sunrise morning show mug or travel mug you can find those in our
18: online store
2: buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com the
18: baltimore catechism asks why do we receive the gift of understanding We receive the gift of understanding to enable us to know more clearly the mysteries of faith. At our baptism, faith was implanted into us as little seeds. The gift of understanding helps us to penetrate the mystery of the things we already believe. We say in Mass the creed, I believe in one God, the Father, and so on. And what the gift of understanding helps us to do is to see what that really means. If, at a time, you've been singing a hymn and suddenly you feel you understand it in a new way, that's the Holy Spirit speaking within you, because he is the teacher of all truth. These mysteries we can never know by reason, but only by the teaching of God. So let us pray, come Holy Spirit, fill my mind with the gift of understanding, so that what I believe by faith, I may now penetrate deeply with your help. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan.
2: It's 37 minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Sunrise Morning Show legal and political analyst Ken Craycraft is back with us now. He's a professor at Mount St. Mary's Seminary. He writes for the Catholic Telegraph, our Sunday visitor, and the UK Catholic Herald, among others. Good morning, Ken.
21: Good morning, Annie. How are you?
2: I am doing fine. And, you know, we've talked about this case a few times as it was making its way through the courts, and now we have the Supreme Court's decision in favor of a Christian web designer in 303 Creative v. Ellenus. Now, I'm going to try to summarize this. Lori Smith wanted to create wedding websites, but she knew, being a resident of Colorado, that she was going to get sued because she believes, as a Christian that marriage is between one man and one woman. And Colorado argued that their famous anti-discrimination law would not allow her uh, owning a public business to refuse service to same sex couples, even if doing so violated her conscience. So what did the court rule?
21: Well, you summarized the case uh, precisely. And the court ruled that in a nutshell, the state of Colorado, nor of course by extension any state, because this case has very good presidential value, uh, the state of Colorado cannot force a person to accede to the state's belief about something that violates one's conscience or that one believes is not false. And therefore the state can cannot force a person to say something that the person believes is false or to put it in more uh, technical terms, they cannot compel speech that um, that Laurie Smith believes is false. Now, it's very important at the outset, Annie, to reiterate what you just said, that this case was about speech. It was about free speech. And as a matter of fact, when we talked about the case last October, when the court uh, initially agreed to hear the case, the court declined uh, Laurie Smith's request that the that the court also uh, declare that the Colorado, uh, Anti-Discrimination Act, CADA, as it's known. The court declined to declare that it violates the uh, Free Exercise Clause of the First Amendment. It declined even to hear that question, so it wasn't even considered. And the court also declined to use the case to revisit the famous peyote case from Oregon, uh, the uh, Smith versus uh, uh, Employment Division uh, of Oregon. So the, the court very narrowly ruled, in one sense, uh, that it was only about protecting speech and more specifically that to compel someone to say something that they don't believe, even in a public accommodation as the website uh, is or the website company is, is a violation of the speech clause of the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution.
2: That's really interesting. What are the implications of that in that this is only a freedom of speech case and not a freedom of, religious, of religion case or both?
21: You know, and that's a really good question because it's it's funny, and in, in some sense it's narrower than than people are saying, and in some sense it's broader than what people are saying. Um, I wish that the court had. Uh, Used it as an, uh, an opportunity to say that the CADA violates uh, the, the religion the free exercise clause of the First Amendment, but it didn't. It was narrow, and I just described how it was narrow because it only speaks to speech. But it's more expansive rather than if it had uh, considered the issue of religion because it applies to any speech. Hmm. The speech does not have to be religiously motivated. It does not have to be religiously informed. It does not have to be uh, the speech doesn't have to be uh, related to anyone's religious. Convention. Convictions at all, it only means that, and this again is why it's more expansive than that. It means that any kind of speech that a person believes is false, that person cannot be compelled to say that speech under penalty of law, uh, and and therefore. And when someone opens a so-called public accommodation, again that's a term of art, which encompasses restaurants and you know website bakeries, florists, and so forth. When someone has a public accommodation, they cannot be forced to say something or to participate in a falsehood, uh, even even if the state officially through its legislature uh, says that that, that falsehood is true. So it's a much narrower in the sense that it doesn't apply to religion specifically, but in that sense, it's also much broader because it's a conscience protection that exceeds even the bounds of religiously motivated, uh, conscience, uh, so that it protects people from participating in falsehood, even if they don't have any particular religious predilection.
2: Okay. So now talk about Justice Sotomayor's dissent.
21: Well, you know, Annie, and it's, it's been really disappointing to read the headlines and commentary on this, uh, on this case because there's been so much distortion about what the case actually says. And it begins, unfortunately, with Justice Sotomayor's dissent, where she said something about the case in the first sentence of the second paragraph, which is flatly false. She said, quoting, today, I'm quoting now, today, the court for the st- first time in its history, grants a business open to the public, a constitutional right, to refuse to serve members of a protected class, unquote. Now, there's so much wrong with the sentence that we could take five segments saying what, what it is. The first and the most important one is that the case is not about the customer. It's about the vendor. It's not about members of a protected class it's, well, that is to say members of a protected class under a a discrimination statute. Mm -hmm. Really what the case is doing is saying that vendors are a protected class when the state forces to say something, forces them to say something false. So the case isn't even about so-called protected class. Still less, of course, is it about the specific class of of same-sex attracted couples. It's about speech. When Sotomayor says that the court has Granted, a business the re- right to refuse to serve a protected class. Not only is it not even what the question presented to the court was; it it is not what the holding of the court was. And as a matter of fact, it has nothing to do with the holding of the court. And what Sotomayor is doing, of course, is projecting her under her you know her own political or public policy preferences upon the court. And wishing the court had done that, and unfortunately, as you mentioned when you uh, earlier in the week when you summarized the case, unfortunately, uh, her uh, cue was followed by many public commentators who have have said that the court, the cases about uh, discrimination against uh, gay and lesbian people. Uh, when in fact it's nothing of the sort. It has nothing to do with the uh, what anything that the customer believes. It has everything to do with refused with the court granting a uh, a vendor the right not to have to say what the state believes. Yeah. If the vendor believes that what the state believes is false.
2: Well, there you have it. Thank you so much, Ken Craigcraft. Read more of his thoughts on this at the UK Catholic Herald. And you can also find him at our Sunday Visitor and the Catholic Telegraph as well. All right. It's 16 till now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with Father John Gavin right after this.
18: I'm Matt Swain,
1: grateful that Visiting Angels underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide to continue living at home rather than a nursing home. Experienced, compassionate caregivers provide assistance in hygiene meals and light housework, and services are provided up to 24 hours per day with caregiver selection before service begins. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com.
7: Laura Teach Me to Pray, the Ignatian Prayer Series can now train you and others electronically to become facilitators and bring the Ignatian way of prayer to your parish. Come to know and love Jesus Christ like never before and help others do the same. Don't pass up the opportunity to join this work of the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. That's LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training.
1: Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including Lemongrass Mint, Ginger Orange, and Blossoming Jasmine.
2: Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission.
1: While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store.
2: Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com.
1: Now there's a fast and easy way to get in touch with EWTN. The EWTN Everything
18: Number. Call 1-800-447-EWTN to get the latest information on programming, special events, pilgrimages, and more. You can even make a donation. Our EWTN Family Viewer Services representatives are ready to help you with whatever your needs may be. The EWTN Everything number. 1-800-447-EWTN.
20: EWTN.
1: 14 till here's Anna with headlines.
2: Members of the G7 are expected to sign off on a security deal with Ukraine at today's NATO summit in Lithuania. Meanwhile, President Biden is set to meet with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky today. The U.S. bishops have welcomed the implementation of the Department of Homeland Security's new family reunification parole processes for migrants. And Pope Francis has written a letter in Latin praising the theological legacy of St. Thomas Aquinas just ahead of the 700th anniversary of his canonization later this month. You can hear news at the top and bottom of each hour right here on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 13 till. Father John Gavin back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's author of Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer. Good morning, Father. Good morning. So we are unpacking today a quote in the catechism from St. Gregory of Nazianzus. And we've we've just started the part of the catechism on, on the creed, I believe, in the Holy Spirit. So this is paragraph 684. It says... Through his grace, the Holy Spirit is the first to awaken faith in us and to communicate to us the new life, which is to know the Father and the one whom he has sent, Jesus Christ. But the Spirit is the last of the persons of the Holy Trinity to be revealed. St. Gregory of Nazianzus, the theologian, explains this progression in terms of pedagogy of divine condescension. And here's the quote. The Old Testament proclaimed the Father clearly, but the Son more obscurely. The New Testament revealed the Son and gave us a glimpse of the divinity of the Spirit. Now the Spirit dwells among us and grants us a clearer vision of himself. It was not prudent when the divinity of the Father had not yet been confessed to proclaim the Son openly, and when the divinity of the Son was not yet admitted to add the Holy Spirit as an extra burden to to speak somewhat daringly. By advancing and progressing from glory to glory, the light of the Trinity will shine in ever more brilliant rays. Okay, lots to unpack here, but first first of all, where does this quote come from?
11: So this quote, as you said, it comes from one of the greatest theologians. Uh, Some call him the theologian uh, Mm -hmm. in the East, St. Gregory of Nazianzus, who was uh, theologian bishop, uh, order in the 4th century, and this comes from one of his uh, theological orations. The The debates during the 4th century, if we put it into context, were surrounding the, the Trinity, in particular the divinity of the Son, and then later the divinity of the Holy Spirit. And so he did a series of uh, talks on the eve of the Council of Constantinople in 381 which affirmed, of course, the divinity of Father, Son, and Spirit. And in one, in this particular one, he is speaking about the divinity of the Spirit. Because some uh, in this time, a uh, group called the uh the wow. spirit fighters, uh, hmm. they uh, denied the divinity of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things they brought up was, if the Holy Spirit is divine, why are we only finding out about this? late in the game, right? Mm. Uh, Because we don't find any strict expression or teaching about uh, the Son or the Spirit in the Old Testament, Uh, and then, you know, it seems to come much later. So what's going on here? So that's the context of this particular talk that he was giving and uh, why he's talking about the Holy Spirit.
2: Okay, I have to ask first about this part about the Holy Spirit being an extra burden uh, to speak somewhat daringly. What does he mean by that?
11: Well, uh, if we look here, the, 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 the question is, of course, you know, he, says, he points out here that God actually comes to, to teach us uh, in history, right, mm. uh, to, to form us in history. And so uh, he even uses this word, uh, divine condescension, uh, which doesn't mean God's looking down on us like you know, or something uh, you know, below him, and that's, you know like someone at a cocktail party. Right. But rather, God comes down to be with us. And so there's a kind of formation taking place, and the, and the Spirit, therefore, not a burden but a gift, that comes to be revealed to us in history as God teaches us and forms us in the faith.
2: Wow. So this divine pedagogy, why mm. why this progression of, of revelation then, and why is the Holy Spirit revealed last of the three?
11: Yes, I mean, this is really—it's a theme that uh, Gregory and other fathers use. And, of course, he's—looks—he— uh, summarizes it beautifully here. I mean, in the Old Testament, we see uh, how the Father begins to teach us and form us uh, in revealing His love and His authority as Creator, and as one who calls the chosen people begins to form them for the coming of Christ. Then we have the revelation of the Son, right, of course, in the Incarnation, but also in what the Son does for us In redemption and the gift of divine adoption, uh, entering into the very life of the Trinity uh, through baptism. And then finally we come to the revelation of the Spirit. Of course it is the Son who reveals the Spirit to us, but at the same time we also see the Spirit revealed to us in the life of the Church, in the sanctification and the union that is formed in the Church, With the sending of the Spirit, we uh, just recently, of course, during the Easter season, uh, we're hearing readings from the Acts of the Apostles, and you hear again and again how the the Spirit is moving and guiding and shaping the coming, uh, the uh, the emergence of the Church, and so the Spirit comes last because this is the culmination of this divine teaching or pedagogy, Uh, the formation of the Church. Uh, in the body of Christ.
2: Yeah, and he he says in here, the Old Testament proclaimed the Father clearly, but the Son more obscurely. I'm wondering if you can give us an, an example to kind of understand better what he means by that, because it wouldn't, and also mm. I should add, um, I mean, he doesn't say it here explicitly, but I mean, the Old Testament um, gives us glimpses of the Holy Spirit as well, does it not? Indeed.
11: It does, it does. But what's interesting, I think, what uh, what they would say is that we, after the coming of Christ, we are able to read the Old Testament differently,
13: mm, yeah.
11: because what they say is the Son is in fact, you could kind of say, the key to unlocking uh, the full meaning of the Old Testament. So things that were present there certainly, for instance, we hear in Genesis about the Spirit moving upon the waters, right? Uh, We also have the promises of the Messiah and redemption, right, pointing to the Son. It's all there, uh, but the fullness of it is not uh, really, we can't really see all of it until Christ explains the Scriptures to us in His life and in His teachings, as He does to the disciples on the way to Emmaus. He tells them what the Scriptures mean. And so you're absolutely right. All of it's there, but we need Jesus to unlock it for us.
2: We absolutely do. Thank you so much, Father John Gavin. You can find his book, Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. And Matt, it got me thinking, I can never remember which church father it was. But, um, oh, it was Cyprian. So he says this. I just found it. I I was searching around for it as I was listening to Father here. He said, but as often as water is named alone in the Holy Scriptures, baptism is referred to. Like, every time we see the word water standing alone in Scripture, like, I don't know, when the Israelites were were crossing the Red Sea or crossing the Jordan into the Holy Land with with Joshua— that is a sign of baptism. We should be when Jesus thinking of baptism. spits in the
1: mud and wipes it on a guy's eyes. When a guy is, you know, told to wash in the pool of Siloam after being healed. Mm-hmm. It's all yeah. in there.
2: Yeah, it's all there. And in the same way... When God um, tells
1: Ezekiel, I will sprinkle clean water on you.
2: Oh, that's most definitely a reference to baptism.
1: It's all in there. Yeah. And I mean, just
2: in the same way, I think when we see wind and spirit and breath in Scripture, I think that uh, I think it's a safe bet that we could be thinking about the Holy Spirit in it's those all, moments. It's all
1: connected. Mm-hmm. It's all connected. God works through stuff. So uh, he, he wired us in a certain way to be able to pick up on those things. Well, that wraps it up, Anna Mitchell. I can't believe we're already at the end of our second hour this morning. we got another hour coming up for our local audience here on uh, Sacred Heart Radio. But those of you listening to EWTN, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Come check us out at SunriseMorningShow.com, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, I'm Matt Swain, for Anna Mitchell, and all of our guests, may God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.
13: Did you just receive a Sacred Heart?